Welcome to Yippie Kaye Round Robin Edition. I'm Ralph Quattrucci. I'm Sean Paul Murphy. I'm Deborah Murphy. I'm John Quattrucci. And I'm Chris Coker. Hello, people. What's happening? Podcasters, fellow podcasters, mother podcasters, mother podcasters. Yes, we have a special round robin. It's Bible epics. Um, I made a mistake with this one. I think. Oh. Uh, I got too specific with the word epic. I think we should have just left either Bible stories or Bible allegories. We forced this into a particular brand of movie, which I didn't really, I don't think, I think they're all the same, but that's just my opinion. We'll get to that. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. But before we get to the Bible epics, let's talk about what you watched. John, what'd you watch this week? Uh, well, it's funny. I, uh, everyone's familiar with the show Two and a Half Men. No. Yes. I never watched it when it was on because the few I never saw an entire episode, but I think the few episodes, the pieces of my saw were in the later seasons. And I always was turned off by it because it was just too raunchy for me. Uh, but I started rewatching them on Peacock and I'm only in season one. And I got to tell you, the show is freaking hilarious. Charlie Sheen is great. John Cryer is funny. And the two of them together and the kid, too. I mean, I find myself just laughing out loud during the show. Now, I, I know the stories, uh, you know, with uh, Charlie Sheen's problems, uh, like the sixth and seventh season. But so far, I got to tell you something. I, I really love it. And, and he was great in it, too. The whole cast is really good. And it is it is laugh out loud funny. Uh, so uh, that's what I've been binge watching, amongst other things. But one, we're only. One, I don't know. One, I don't think that one. shows. I don't think that show's going to make it. But that's just mine again. My it's opinion. not going to make it. No. What do you mean? It will make it because Charlie che Charlie Sheen has tiger blood. I'm kidding. I know it oh. made it. It made it for years and years yeah. and years. But he and was only on it for nine seasons, right. and then it made it after he left. They they well, yeah. for a couple of years with Aston actually John Cry won an Emmy. When yeah. Ashton Kutcher, yeah, it's a shame because he he's he's probably the best out of that group. He All was right, great. I mean, Charlie Sheen was really funny. In it. I mean, yeah. I couldn't believe it. He's he's so. you know Charlie Sheen had he just went crazy. But uh, Sean and Debbie, quickly, what'd you watch? What'd you watch, baby? I don't think I watched anything. Well, oh, I watched good. next. Oh, no, <laughs> I know. Go ahead. And along the lines of Bible, we were watching some of the other Bible epic choices. But additionally, I watched um. Richard Lester's A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum. Starring before you say anything, before you finish, oh boy, I did that. I did that uh, twice, and I had the lead in that. I was pseudolus both times. Yeah. Zero Mostel. Here, here, yeah. here. Ring the bell. Well, my favorite line is that when the slave girl doesn't want to be married to the general because she was from Thrace, and she said, his army came and raped our, and raped us. And then they came back and raped us again. Then they approached and raped us again. And Zero Marcel goes, he raped thrice, thrice? <laughs> you love those rape jokes, don't you? You and your rape jokes. You just can't get enough of those. Hey, Those I, lines are not in the play, I'm telling oh you now. God. Those lines are not actually, in the play. The actual thing is it was based on an ancient Roman play. You know, probably less um, quick cutting in it, though. Yeah, I would imagine. Foster <laughs> in it, too, in a rare vocal performance at the end as well but they got rid of most of the music uh most of the songs they they just left out it was it was a strange movie um is that a bible epic no funny thing no that's a roman that's a roman yeah. thing right yeah 
Sean, I'm so glad you got that new computer because <laughs> comedy tonight and um what? I'm so glad you get you just froze for about fifteen seconds with your new computer. Okay. They had a few, but and now you're now you're out of sync. This is amazing. I got the play was so much fun. Unstable. Yeah. There you go. You are unstable. All right. Unstable. All right, Chris Coker. Um, <clears throat> I actually watched a little. I rewatched a little movie called uh, The Chocolate War. It's based oh. on a. It's a straight to video. It was it was made essentially. Vampire? Is that a vampire movie? Uh, no, no. It's a um, a movie about. It's based on a young adult novel uh, by a guy named Robert Cormier. It's uh, actually has an amazing number of really high quality cast members. John Glover is in it. Ellen Mitchell Smith, who you do recognize from like uh, uh, Weird Science, probably most notably. He was the other guy, uh, not Anthony Michael Hall, but the other guy. Um, Adam Baldwin. There's 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 some decent cast members. And basically, it's a story about an all boys school um, who they have an annual chocolate sale. And this one kid, Jerry Mitchell, is told not Jerry Mitchell, sorry, Jerry Renault is told to not sell the chocolates by this kind of shadowy group of students who kind of run the school from an underground level. Uh, but it's a really interesting movie. It's all about uh, power because there's the power of the Jesuit priests who run the school. Then there's the power level of the kids who are like kind of controlling things. And then there's, you know, the average kids involved. Um, like I said, it's based on a, it's based on a really bleak um, book um that's a young adult book and the movie itself while not pitch black um at the end is is very dark gray so they changed the ending uh most people have a problem with that i really like the changes that they made actually though i thought set in present time uh, no it's it's set in kind of a almost like an 80s has a great soundtrack a great 80s soundtrack i never heard of it yeah well like i said it, it basically uh the guy who directed it it was his first time was a guy named keith gordon who's done a few movies done a lot of television he was actually the lead in like christine he was in a lot of movies dressed to kill he was in jaws too yeah jaws too as well that's right one of the kids you know you recognize him uh wasn't he uh no he was in back to school with uh rodney dangerfield wasn't he i was thinking bud court was yeah uh, that was uh, him too back to school but it's it's funny that you mentioned bud court shows up for like one scene in the movie really Uh, john glover is fantastic in it as uh as brother leon a priest who's uh you know, who's kind great. Of, that's one of those. That's one of yeah. those guys that shows up in a lot of weird stuff. And and that was the thing. It's funny. I actually watched the interview with the director with with Gordon, and he was saying how like he literally called up John Glover because he had been in the theater and Glover. They had some mutual friends, and he was like, "Hey, I can only pay you scale, but would you be interested in it?" He read the script and was like, "I'm in." And it was oh, wow. yeah. Anyway, it's a it's a really interesting little movie. Um, it's and uh, where did you watch it? Where can we watch it? Uh, you can actually, it's actually, if you, it's uh, streaming for free, if you have like Comcast, you know how sometimes they have their own little section yeah. of movies. That's um, not free. Well, yeah, you're right. It's, well, technically none of them are free. Um, right. True, true. But, uh, but yeah, no, you saw it Sounds back in the 80s, Keith, but it was on videotape. So Keith Gordon's directed a few. Didn't he also direct the World War II film? A Midnight they took Clear. A break? Right. Mm-hmm. They took a break at Christmas, stopped fighting yeah. at Christmas. Right. Yeah. Based That's on cool. a true story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's done a lot of interesting films. He actually also adapted a Vonnegut story, Mother Night, starring Nick Nolte. That oh, wow. was pretty interesting, too. Hmm. Cool. But yeah. So that's what, Ralph, I- what are you watching? I, I'm not watching. I'm going to recommend, highly recommend a podcast. Not one of ours. Uh, podcast what? called called Dead Eyes. Have you guys heard about Dead Eyes? No. Okay. You're going to love this one. This is an amazing podcast. It's about an actor in 2000 
who uh, tried out for a for a part in uh, uh, the Band of Brothers, right? Mm-hmm. He gets the part. He's over in England. He's an American actor in England. He gets the part. He gets a call from uh, his agent. It says, Tom Hanks wants you to come back to retest because he says you have dead eyes. And he wants to know if you're going to be able to, you know, you have to re what, retry out. What do you call it? What do you call it when you try out? I, I'm yeah, not re-audition. Audition. audition. Yeah, he goes in, does the audition again. Comes out, his agent comes out and says, uh, they decided to go in a different direction. So the guy lost the part and he spent the next. So he, the funny line is he says, I go to, it's not like getting, you know, I go to a record store to make myself feel better. And there's a big giant poster of the green mile. He says, if I get fired from Wendy's, I don't see the boss. I get fired by Tom Hanks, the nicest guy in the world. And I'm looking at this anyway. So the podcast is about how it changed his, uh, his direction in life. He actually mm-hmm. quit acting for years and years. And it's always bothered him that the nicest guy in, in Hollywood would say he had dead eyes. And it's a three-season podcast. And on March 10th, he actually finally got Tom Hanks to sit down with him for an hour and talk about what this did to him. And, March, and 10th, Tom, March 10th of this year? This year. And I'm telling you, I listened to that one first, and then I went back and listened to his others, and it's a tearjerker because the emotions that come out of him and Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks was... It's just, it, it's just, you gotta, you gotta listen to the whole thing. But he did he have dead eyes? I listen, you have to listen to the podcast. Um, but he interviews, he did some acting with John Hamm early in his career. So Hamm's on there and they all talk about horror stories they've had about being rejected and stuff and how it, and this literally changed this kid's life for 13 years. He, sure. he worked at a bookstore. He just said, I'm sick of all this after Tom Hanks said he had dead eyes. And it's just a great, wonderful podcast. It's really, really quite nice. So you guys should check that one out. It's amazing. So. Um, all right. So let's do this one. I'm going to go first. I'm going to change it up a little bit because I want to get mine out of the way. Yeah. Get through uh, all yeah, the, get it out of the way. Crap. I'm going to listen to on yeah. this. Yeah. And, and the thing that, you know, when I spun Bible epics, my brain was just, just on fire with all the movies I wanted to bring. And I realized we locked in by, by using the word epic that really it's supposed to be a sandal and robe movie, right? This is what, you know, epic means. It's like huge. And I was just, racking my brains trying to figure out and then i then i landed on uh 2014's noah directed by darren aronofsky yeah uh and uh yeah i rewatched it and you know i'm not a big bible guy and i actually i I was just gonna say i don't think he is either (laughs) or 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 he uses a lot of bibles because i think this is a crazy mix of amalgamation of a lot of stories of a lot of different stories yeah some from the bible some from not the bible some from different bibles um and as all Darren Aronofsky movies are i mean his first movie was pie so well you haven't said what the movie is i said noah oh you did yeah i, I did that. i said yeah. noah uh starring russell crowe jennifer conley um uh, Anthony Hopkins plays Meta, Metafusel, Meta, what's his name? See, I don't know. Metamusel. Metamusel. Yeah, like got eight, 500, problems. Nine, 900 years old. Um, anyway, uh, and it's, it's like I said, Darren, Ar- you know, Darren Aronofsky, all his movies are fever dreams, right? Requiem for a dream, mother. I really wanted to bring mother, but that's a Bible allegory movie. But this one, I just, it's a superhero movie. Noah is a superhero in this film. Um, and he's crazy and, um, it's, it's a beautifully shot film. That's about the best thing I can say about Noah. It's, it's just some of the scenes uh, are photographed in such a way that they're just gorgeous. And all the animals are all 
uh, uh, CGI. CGI. They're all fake. Yeah. Probably all the birds are all fake. Um, and it's just a crazy film. And not knowing anything about the Bible, I've always, you know, I've always been fascinated by the Noah story back in the days when we used to listen to Bill Cosby when you could. And he does that whole Noah. Vupa, Noah. Vupa, Vupa. Yeah. Noah. Uh, what's a uh, what's a cubit, right? You know, fourteen <laughs> cubits by fourteen cubits by. Uh, God, uh, what's a cubit? What's right? a cubit? <laughs> so I've been fascinated with the whole story, and this one just goes off. There. Have you guys seen it? Have you seen yes. Noah? Yes. And and tell me, tell me, tell me. Well, can I say something about Noah? Please. Let me just say to our audience who doesn't realize it, I am in the movie business, and I do a lot of faith. How movies. could they not know that by now? Jesus, come on. <laughs> New subscribers, Ralph. First, the, the Patreon people know. Okay, the Patreon people know. Patreon. So here's the interesting thing about this Noah movie. You know, most people associate Bible epics with Christians. Right. But Aronofsky did not view Noah through a Christian lens. Right. Aronofsky viewed Noah through a Jewish lens. Right. You know, as Judaism and Christianity departed you know, there's a lot of traditions associated with Noah and the Old Testament that are different than the New Testament, you know, Christian versions of those. And a lot of the stuff that is in Noah follows those traditions, which he would be more familiar with. However, where the film really goes off the rails, um, this is a film they spent a lot of money on, and it made a lot of money. It probably yeah. went into profit, but it, I think Paramount put it out. I think... Um, there's, it's at the end. I'm not going to give away any spoilers. Um, but Noah decides that he should kill his family since everybody's a sinner. Yeah, man, everyone's a sinner. There's no. So he decides he's going to kill his family, which is totally unbiblical. And it totally makes Noah kind of a repulsive character, you know, and they lost the audience there. I, I bet you if they had, and apparently Paramount was fighting with Aronofsky. About making some changes, and that was the major change. Well, when I read about it, they 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 tested it. They tested three different versions that were not his versions because they were super worried about the film. Obviously, you put Christian reason. films, yeah. yeah, you put Christian films out, and you start messing around. People get they they don't want to show up. You get protests, and ultimately they went with his original version. They just said, okay, just put it out. Let's see what happens. Uh, and yeah, Noah's a maniac. I mean, and, and Russell Crowe is really good at playing Noah because it's just yeah. uh, to, you, there's this, there's something that you're talking about the ending. I expected him to do what he said he was going to do. You know, he, he says to his uh, uh, his adopted daughter, she's adopted, he gets pregnant, and has and he says, if it's a boy, fine, uh, we'll let the boy live. If it's a girl. We have to kill it because we don't want to populate it. We have to stop. Basically, he wanted to stop mankind with his group. So all guys, his wife was going to die off. She can't have any more kids. The boys can't have kids. And if this girl has a baby girl, he's literally he's going to kill it. And he said that. So the last half of the movie, it's like he's going to kill this girl. Is that Emma Watson who played yes. the girl? And then and she Harry goes Potter. and has twin girls. It's like, oops. But now the those, it's good because those twin girls can now be wives to his two sons and they can start the world up again. And luckily it turned out and, and, and Moses was, but he was, he was, um, definitely driven and, and, you know, he's one of these people who believe God was talking to him and he just did whatever God, what he thought God wanted. Now he was interpreting. Now this was no burning bush. Right. 
no well, burning no bush. Burning bush not, no, I'm sorry, not burning bush, but a yeah, that's he Moses. Had fe- he had Moses. He had fever yeah. dreams in this one, and he dreamt that the world was gonna get drowned and started his whole quest. And then they threw in another character who he has to fight with in the ark and uh, stuff. And how and it's a, you know how he brings all these animals in. Now, I guess in the Bible it's only two animals per right per species or whatever. This one there's. There's scenes with all these snakes rolling in and elephants, and they put them to sleep with some incense or something. I mean, it's wacky. The movie is wacky, but it's gorgeous. And, and what I like it. Well, Debbie, you want to speak up first? Yeah, well, please. number one, Noah. He of all humankind during that time, he was the only righteous man. Now God chose him, you know, to to carry on humanity. And he was and, 500 years old. Is that true too? Yes. They and th- those days prior to the flood. See, it, things were different back then because you had the umbrella of the the atmosphere and it was full of water. It wasn't like it is today. And so, uh, a human being could live 500 years is what you're saying. Yes. And his father or his grandfather was 900. Well, his grandfather was the oldest person. Methuselah was um, Methuselah, Met- Met- whatever. He was 900 and something years old, right? Yeah. Okay, so this is why, this is where I get lost. This is okay, where I go. Here, you, you must not have been to your catechism. Uh, you can say that again. <laughs> <laughs> but Noah was a noble, righteous man. And not, I've not in this film. No, that's why it was so egregious, you know? Yeah. But can Did I say you see I it want- when it came out, Debbie? Yes, and I was uh, yuck. It was like a definitely. What did you think of the rock, the rock angel monster thingies? Awful! So stupid. I was was uh, beginning to think Michael Bay had directed it. Wow, yeah, this really sounds like a biblical epic. It is. It is a well. It's it is big. It is an epic, but you know, it's Aronofsky, so you just gotta, you know. I love the audacity, and I know you can pick at it. And if you're like I, I started watching, you know. Bible scholars talking about the film. Everything wrong with, you know, it's like that. Everything wrong with this movie from a Bible scholar. It was everything was wrong. All of it was wrong. Um, but it's still okay. visually stunning. And Aronofsky's a brave director. I give that guy a lot of credit because like a movie like Mother, I, I can't imagine anybody else making that film except for him. And it's, you know, we did that on one of our podcasts. That's an amazing film that I don't think it's enough love. And maybe Noah, I feel the same way. But go ahead, Sean. What were you going to say? Well, I'm going to say what's something I like about the film is that um, usually... When it was over? No, I, I mean, I enjoyed that, too. But if you look at, like, Sunday schools and all, like, Noah is this, like, cute story with the animals and this and right. that. And the problem is, and I even thought it as a kid, and I make fun of it in one of my own movies, is it's not a cute story. Like, he, the world is wiped out, and only this movie by Aronofsky addresses the seriousness of the it, whole story. It did. It did. You know, and there's so that scene I, I, where yeah, I could have lived without some, it, the other stuff, you know, I can understand the stuff that was Jewish tradition being in there, but some of the other stuff just didn't. Well, you I, know. you know, it's funny. I don't, I think, I think he's an atheist too. So he's a, you know, raised Jewish and he's an atheist, but God, he doesn't call him God in the film. It's the creator in this one. You never hear the word God, not once. It's always the creator. And he's there throughout the whole film. He, that per, that creator is there through the whole film. Um, Moses well, is speaking. Respectful. Well, most atheists that I know hate, hate God. That's not true. 
Most most of them do. Well, I don't know. How can you, you hate something that isn't real? Well, have you ever listened to them? Good point. Why don't you say, I, I, Ralph? I'm I, I, you can't hate something, something if you're an atheist. That's my point exactly. But that how doesn't mean the atheist hate doesn't exist. You're right. You cannot hate something. So but they do. I don't think they do, but that's fine. We just we agree to disagree. Some do, some don't. They do, Blanche. Okay, the most horrific scene. What Sean was talking about, the most horrific scene is when you watch the people drown, and not watch them, but you you're, you're seeing that what's happening to those people, and a lot of it you're hearing from inside the ark, and you're hearing screams, and it's everybody, you know, everybody, um, and you know, there's some there's some pretty uh, horrific scenes in the film. There's some goofiness. It drags a, it drags a lot in places, and the whole idea of the sons needing wives and you know there's a lot of crazy stuff going on but just as a as a bible epic i think uh maybe in years maybe we start looking at this a little different as the years go by i have no idea but uh, i just wanted to bring something that was made in this century and i thought this would be a fun one to talk about john have you seen it i've only seen uh, bits and pieces of it okay well you got to watch it to get content i don't you think to so. watch the whole thing no i don't no but i think aronofsky like i said uh, the creators throw out the whole thing and it literally ends with a rainbow. Someone yeah. looks up into the sky and there's a rainbow and basically saying the creator's there. He's always with you. Yeah. And, and that's from the atmosphere coming down, the water coming back in. And that's the, the, the rainbow. That was the promise. And that rainbow didn't happen typically at all until the flood because we the water no came down from the heavens. Okay. So, all right, we'd have to talk. I, I'm fascinated by, that's why humans could live 500 years because of the water in the atmosphere. We'll talk about that one. The block the e- e- UV waves. Yeah. So, anyway, Plus they're taking Metamucil. Came out in 2014. Helped their Noah, colon. Russell Crowe, directed yeah. by Darren Aronofsky. My yeah. favorite, Jennifer Connelly, played his wife. She, I could watch her do anything. Um, so, yeah. I, I remember her uh, in that, career opportunities. Oh, yeah. A, yeah with, with yeah, Frank Wally. Right, Frank yeah. Wally. So, there you go. That's my pick for Bible epics. Wow. What so a shock. let's go. Yeah. John, let's just get yours over with. How many did I want to know? Give me what was your runner up choice, Ralph? I want to know what your runner up choice was. What I wanted to bring? Yeah. What oh, you wanted I wanted to, no, I, before Tell was me Bible, what you wanted to bring. Cause this tells you everything you need to know about you and the Bible. What were you going to bring? Well, I was going to bring a Bible. <laughs> well, first of all, I like Bible allegory stories, right? So I was thinking just, about mother, mother right okay. away. Mother. First one. But the one I really wanted to bring. Was a movie called The Devils. Yeah. Mm. Uh, directed by a Ken Russell, Ken starring Russell. Oliver Reed. Uh, that's the one I wanted to talk about. But, but because it wasn't a Bible epic, I couldn't bring it. So, uh, there you go. Okay. Don- well, uh, as everyone who watches our show and subscribes and shares it and likes it knows, Ralph and I are on opposite ends of the spectrum on a lot of things. So when uh, we talked about Bible epics, the first one that jumped into my head was 1956's The Ten Commandments, directed by Cecil B. DeMille and starring Charlton Heston. You want to talk about epic? This is an epic Bible story. Uh, Obviously, Cecil B. DeMille uh, directed it, and he remade his silent version, which I also just watched, which is a strange movie. Half of it is set in Moses' time. Half of it is set in present-day society, which was in the 20s. It was really strange. But the the, the stuff in the beginning was, was amazing, and it echoed. Uh, he echoed it in the remake. Uh, great cast. Yul Brenner played Ramses. Ann Baxter played Nefertiti. 
uh, or I don't think it was Nefertiti. Nefertiti. They had to change it. Nefertiti? Well, that's what that was. They were supposed to call it that, but they, I think it was Nefertini. I'm not sure. Edward G. Robinson. We're going to free the slaves. Yeah. We're going to free the slaves. See? Yeah. So that was an interesting choice. Um, It was a great cast and Charlton Heston. This was his second big movie after um, uh, the greatest show on earth. Also directed by Cecil B. DeMille. And it was the movie. uh, I think uh, Ben Hur was three years later. Maybe I think it was three years later. But this movie, uh, it's three hours and 40 minutes. You don't get much more epic than that. And my memory of this movie is uh, we used to, they used to show it in two parts because it was so long. And our entire family, we only had one TV. That's what we watched right around Easter time. They always showed it at Easter time. We always watched the two two episodes. Um, And I I love this movie. And the making of it is an incredible story. Cecil B. DeMille had a heart attack in the middle of it, but he couldn't admit he had a heart attack or they would have shut down the film. This was his passion project. Uh, They filmed at the real Mount Sinai. Um, uh, They did a lot of footage out there, uh, out in the desert. Um, But but there's something about this movie, unlike, how, how do I say this, that Ralph doesn't roll his eyes. I went to Catholic school for a couple of years. So that's my, you know, as a youth, uh, you know, that was a big part of our lives. We went to church every Sunday. I just remember the reverence of how God was treated and the reverence of how Moses was treated towards the second half of the movie. You know, in the beginning of the movie, he's just a regular guy, right? A prince. And uh, he makes he makes some choices. But then then afterwards, when he becomes the, the prophet, um, I just remember thinking I, I I wanted to know more about him. And I had a I had a I guess because it was done visually, if you remember the burning bush with the flames coming out to the tablets, I just remember as a kid being being in awe of that and thinking, is that is that really how God talks? By the way, the burning bush was played by Charlton Heston. There was a lot of uh controversy over who the voice actually was. Uh, excuse me. The first time he spoke to him, it was Charlton Heston. The second time, it was another actor. That that came up. Um, but I just love this movie. Um, I, I, I watched it again, and then I watched the making of it, which to me, if you've seen the film, see the making of it, because that isn't a story in itself. But again, when I think of biblical epics, this is what comes through. Oh, one other little side note. H.B. Warner, who played uh, Jesus Christ in King of Kings, which was Cecil B. DeMille's silent film in the 20s. Uh, there's a scene where the old man is being carried by as they're leaving Egypt. He's being held, and he's very frail. He looks all skin and bones. That's H- For people who don't know H.B. Warner, he also played Old Man Gower in It's a Wonderful Life. But he was in his 90s, very frail, and Cecil B. DeMille wanted him in the movie. And the only way he could do it was for the actor to carry him because he couldn't walk. And he also, he was petrified that he couldn't memorize the lines. So Cecil B. DeMille said, look, you know what's happening in this scene. You just say whatever you want. And he actually came out with, with a beautiful line as as he was uh, coming out. So I thought that was really cool. Uh, I, but listen, yeah. Okay, let me, let me yeah. just jump in and say, reply to a couple of things, number one. Yeah. Number one, while you were sitting in church uh, thinking about Moses, I guess. No. Uh, 
Oh, that's what you just I wasn't said. Thinking, no, that's not what I said. You said you're thinking that's about right. the yeah. reverence. Well, I was sitting in church thinking about Moses. That's I was sitting well, said. God or Moses. Right. I was sitting there because that was the same year I saw uh, the Poseidon Adventure. I would sit in that church and wonder what would happen if the church flipped upside down, uh, where I I'd end up. Uh, and two, I think this movie. Okay, I'm not saying I, I had. I have great feelings about this film. Like I enjoyed this film as a five and six year old child uh, because it's. It is epic, and it's big, and when he parts the Red Sea, as a five- and six-year-old child, you go, oh, my God, how did he do that? This is amazing. But as I got older, and 20s, and then 30s, and I watch it again, it's like, holy shit, how did people buy this crap back in those days? And it's, again, I think we're back to the same thing we talk about, which is it just has a lot of cool movie stars in there. Like you said, Edward G. Robinson, you know, what's he doing in a Bible epic? There's no reason for that, except people like to see him. And I, you know, I just, I just think we, we get, we do this. There's movies as a child. I loved, I look back now and I go, what was, what was I thinking? And I think this is one of them. I think the only thing I think of, look, look, when I watch this movie now, the only thing I think of, uh, some of the acting is over the top. Like Ann Baxter's a little bit over the top. Uh, but the special effects still hold up. They still look good. The part in the Red Sea, the, the flames coming out, uh, for the, uh, for the tablets, I still think holds up. So I don't I don't agree with that. I, I, I will say that with older eyes, I've gotten much more into the filmmaking process of how they okay, made the film. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. That okay, I definitely a lot have of people. Gotten, but but a I lot still, of people in this one. Yeah, I mean, I still when I watch this movie, I still uh, I, I still think it's an it's an amazing film. I really do. When I, think I see amazing. it now, all I see is Mel Brooks from the History of the World, where he comes uh, out that's with the too tablets bad. and he drops I'll them and you, breaks them. Oi! What I like about the film is uh, one thing. That really struck me when I got the uh, the Blu-ray. It's just the Technicolor. Yeah. You know, it's in the beautiful. old days, and this is true of most of the Bible epics, is, you know, everyone, they had people there just working the colors. It's like, okay, let's give this person this color dress, this color shirt, you know, this color robe. I mean, they just, they just wanted to have a lot of eye-popping color on it, too. And to me, that is really beautiful throughout the film. And that's Edith Head. Edith Head was part of the old today by comparison. Yeah. Has anyone have you anybody seen this in an actual movie theater? I have not seen this in a movie. I would love to see this in a movie. I mean that I mean I have to say if I probably in that day and age, if I had seen it in a movie theater, it would have been mind blowing probably. Yeah, I mean, um, I think that the, these epics, and we you know when we really talk about epic, you know, time, obviously, the length of the film uh comes into that to a certain extent. Um, and especially like you talk about Technicolor and you talk about Cinemascope and all that kind of stuff and Cinerama, you know, a lot of that was specifically a reaction. And especially this movie came out in what, 56, 56, the TV, 56. right? It's a, re- it's a reaction yeah. to TV, which was in black and white, which was tiny. And, you know, that's when people started really deserting the movie theaters for the first time. And then, so, you know, people said, okay, we got a cast of thousands and we got to do these things. And, you know what? We're going to do these epics. And um, I mean, I, I've seen the Ten Commandments probably a couple of times. And the same thing, John, I always remember it coming on uh, Easter weekend. Yeah. Like you said, in two parts. And, you know, it was kind of um, it kind of had that same a- attitude, uh, not attitude, but almost like, you know, a Christmas story where you just kind of came in and you left and you came back to it partially because it was so long. Cause it was yeah. like, you know, you were having people over. It's like, you didn't have time to sit there and watch uh, even over two days. You yeah. Know, six hours because with commercials and stuff. But well, if you remember the set, they'd show you the second part, but they'd take 15 minutes 
to review what happened in the first part before they showed the second part. Well, this is the yeah. days when the Wizard of Oz would come on once a year. You'd sit mm-hmm. around. Right. Yeah. I mean, these were this was the days when these things meant something. Like there was a reason you wanted to sit around and watch it. No question. As a kid, it was. And this still comes out every Easter. This still is out yeah. every Easter. Yeah. So. A, cu- a couple of it was filmed in Vista Vision, which is a bigger negative than what they normally use. So that's uh, part of the reason why the colors pop. It was Elmer Bernstein's first full movie score because the the guy who always scored, and I, I'm sorry, I don't know his name. The guy who always scored Cecil B. DeMille's films couldn't do it because he was sick. So with his, uh, Elmer Bernstein was the dance. Remember the dance number with all the Nubians? He scored that. And uh, Cecil B. DeMille said, look, I need, this guy can't do it. I need you to score the whole thing. And he did it. So, so that was his first really big break. And the music is is iconic too. When you yeah, hear it's the iconic theme, music. it is. It really is. So it's 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 spectacular. That's part of the epic too, I, I think. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's just a couple of tidbits I just want to throw out there. Debbie, how about you? You haven't said anything. I love that movie. Okay. okay. So anyway, uh, 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 Sean, uh, I, I love the reverence um, that you experience with that film when you actually, you know. Think about God, how great he is. And um, I just love that film. And I, I watch it every Easter. And um, I'm really inspired to think about God, you know, um, when I watch that film. It just gives you, like, such a awesome feeling to know that God is there. And um, here's the movie that pretty much, I think it, it's so true to the story. Yeah, well, and, and that know, was because that's because well, yeah. Cecil B. DeMille, the research he did in, in write in writing the script. I mean, he did so much research, everything, all the names, all the places. But the thing I remember as a kid, I, I, and this was when I was a young kid when I saw it, I just I remember thinking, gee, is that what God really must sound like when he talks to you? Yeah. You know, uh, and that's what I remember thinking. Now, obviously, as an adult, you think differently. But back then I was going, that's probably what it would be like, you know, so. Well, now, this is know, not a he, this God in Noah and in this film, my film and Ten Commandments, he kills a lot of people. God. They deserve to die. Your lovely benevolent. B- 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 how do you say that word? Benevolent. Thank you, Chris. You're welcome. Benevolent God killed a lot of people in both these films. Well, they were. Now, they were as a child, John, as a child, did you think really about not- that as, as all these Romans or whoever are getting the Red Seas? Killing those people? You, you mean the Romans that were going to? Uh, I don't kill know. The Whoever's slaves? coming through the Red Sea. The Romans to... that were going to—they were chasing the slaves to kill them. Yeah, I remember mm-hmm. thinking, I feel so bad for these Romans yeah. that they're I'm not going to be able I'm to just kill suggesting the a lot of people. Egyptians, You're talking about the Egyptians. Egyptians, Romans. The Egyptians. I'm sorry. You're right. The Egyptians. Enslaved. The Romans. Those people, the, Egyptians. the Jewish tribe, they were enslaved by the. Yeah, they were. They were. Right. So they, they were escaping. Terrible. I understand. They were horrible. But there's a lot of people. Right. He freed yeah. the slaves. Moses freed the slaves. I mean, and and if you believe the story, the plagues, you know, uh, brought down by God is what freed yes. the slaves. Yes. God actually, yeah. He's so, been- you know, but I, again, from a filmmaking biblical epic story, this is numero uno in my book, right? Well, you look it it's up. Just, this is the one they show. That's the picture. Yeah, I mean, this well, is. I get, you, listen, I'm not so, denying what epic. And means. I still like not, it. And Charlton Heston was was great in this movie too. I thought he was great. He really was very in, commanding presence. Right. What you know. Okay. Not? I do want to address one point that Ralph brought up because somebody wants to ask me that. Because what about this God? He goes and 
Yeah, he's like killing all the bad people. I'm like, he kills all the good ones too. He, no one here comes out alive, you know. So. Yeah, we're all going to die. I mean, that's the, the yeah. reality of it, you know. We're we have born like- to die. You got to crack a few eggs to make an omelet. Yes. Chris, I anything else you want to say to about this head. epic film? You know, it's been a long time since I've actually watched the Ten Commandments. So, I mean, it kind of has that. It has that really kind of, you know, Ralph talks about this sometimes, you know, he talks about the acting style. Yeah. I mean, we'll get into that in the movie that I chose when we talk about it as well. It, a lot of these Roman or whether they're Roman epics, whether they're Bible epics or a mashup of the two. Um, I think you have this situation where um, there was a desire to seem other or historical or more whatever. Um, so the the acting style is really, in my opinion, pretty pretty wooden in a lot of them. I mean, in some ways, you have a guy like Yul Brenner comes off almost natural in this movie compared to everybody else, in my opinion. Um, as opposed to a movie like, say, Ben Hur, where Charlton Heston is a little bit more natural as a person, you know. And don't get me wrong, when you're playing Moses, like, well, right, you know, exactly, you wouldn't expect Moses to be like really loose and relaxed, and even in his, <laughs> you know, whatever, you know, he's Moses, he's gonna. Yeah. Everything out of his mouth is carved in stone and written down and saved for a million years. <laughs> well, not a million, at least a few thousand, right? Um, the point being is that he is truly a larger-than-life character. Um, so you can't necessarily expect someone to act like a normal man right. while playing that part. Um, but there are, you know, it, there is a kind of a an artifice to all these films, too. There, there's an artificiality there that, like, you know... That that scene where he's in the basket coming down the river, it's so obviously a soundstage. But like even isn't the water like just like it just feels like neon blue and um the Nile at least. Well, Not that's before it goes red, but like I mean it's like even when I'm watching Noah, which costume design and all that's pretty realistic, I sit there and I'm wondering, when do these people change their clothes and do they ever talk nobody ever goes to the bathroom? It's like well, and I know I shouldn't do that. I get it. These are you epics. You definitely shouldn't just, do that, Ralph. I got to shut it off, but I How many can't. movies do I they mean, go to the bathroom? I was Jeez. about to say. Holy nobody went to the bathroom in pretty and pink either. Yeah. No, but I'm saying, don't you ever, like when you Bridge see maze. the same the same tropes, right? The same, <laughs> the same clothes all the time. The flashlights that never die. The camcorders when they're using them as light never die. Stuff like that. I can't get, you know, you're talking about filmmaking. This is filmmaking, right? So I'm just saying. I know I shouldn't be saying this stuff. You should. These are these this are Bible epics. And it's the voice of God coming from the bush. Mill died John, soon after this. Movie. Build me an ark and uh, take me away. And this was his. Uh, this was his epic. And it's a, no, it's a he, classic. Great I can't director. Not, great I'm not director. denying it's a classic. Yeah. I used to love watching it as a kid and look forward to it. So let so. it be written. So let it be done. There you go. All right, Sean and Debbie. You first, Deb. Um, go ahead, Sean. Okay. Well. Yeah, oh. go ahead. Okay. Well, you know, they call they call the story of Jesus the greatest story ever told. Well, I've decided to instead watch the grooviest story ever told. You know, the musical, the rock opera about the Passion Christ called Jesus Christ Superstar. And I want to tell you, what a film. What a film. So it's set in Israel, but everyone's a hippie. And um, it's to me, it's it, 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 it's just a fabulous film. Um, this was a play yeah, first, right? Yeah. Play, it was play first. Yeah, yeah. It was a record first, even before it was a play. Oh wow! I like the original record soundtrack, which had some great musicians on it. 
best of all. But the movie is pretty, the movie soundtrack is just as good. And, you know, this movie came out, you know, if you're an atheist, you may not be aware that between like 67 and 73, there was a huge Jesus movement, a huge revival swept around campuses, around the country. A lot of disillusioned hippies and all, all became Christians. You know, there had been another one a hundred years earlier at, um, you know, nearly a hundred years earlier in Los Angeles that started. So this was, this really fed into that. And this movie is, is a theological mess. You know, this is a film I think an atheist can enjoy because they really reduce a lot of the conflict to more or less strictly human emotions and human concerns. But what it has going for it is a great deal of passion. I mean, the people are very passionate. If you were growing up in the 50s and going to some church, you know, they would have statue. Every It's like in the biblical epics. It's sort of like in uh, Ben-Hur or Quo Vitus. Anytime you see a religious person, it, sometimes it's from behind if you see Jesus. Mm-hmm. And everyone's a marble figure. But in this film, everyone is flesh and blood. And, um, you know, you go to church and Jesus is God, but, you know, they weigh heavily on the God thing. He's God and man. And Jesus Christ Superstar, on the other hand, weighs very heavily into Jesus is a guy, too. And um, I, it's funny because I talk to um, it's sort of a guilty pleasure for a person in my position to really like talk how good this film is, considering it makes a lot of really serious theological errors, at least in two songs. And um, but this was a gateway drug to a lot of people my age and older who entered Christianity. It was first inspired by seeing Jesus Christ Superstar, mm. less so by its goofier follow up. Godspell. Godspell. What year did this come out? I think 71 or 72. Hmm. Godspell came out soon afterwards. Yeah. I and how, was this, uh, how was this uh, received by the Christian? The, the then everybody Christian. liked it, you know, because, you know, John Lennon had declared the Beatles more popular than Jesus. Yeah. So I think most people were happy that people were listening to this record. And the authorities were kind of losing power because there's that, the, the, that new Jesus movement was very young. You know, people, they were like college age, high school age, early 20s, you know, and they were more accepting of a um, rock musical about Jesus and if you remember, I recently did it live on television, like about three years ago, with John Legend playing Jesus. If I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken, 2018. Yeah, yeah. And I tell you, though, the great role, and this is true of a lot of films, particularly <laughs> lately, they tend to go with the look at things from the skeptic's point of view. And Judas is such a great role. Judas is like the the uh, fabulous role in the film. You know, he gets all the great songs and everything. And um, very passionately played. You understand what Ju- Judas is doing, what he's up to, why he doubts. And also, it's very appealing. You know, I mean, of course, Judas, Judas doesn't end up well in the film, though he does get a reprise. You know, he gets a post-death reprise. But um, it's just a film, and I always feel the same way. I always at least watch it, you know, Easter week. And I always, you know, I'll be listening to it usually for like a week or so because I really love the musical, you know. And um, and here, there's one story I want to tell. Um, it was directed by Norman Jewison. 
who had previously directed Fiddler on the Roof, you know, a huge Broadway hit, you know, about Jewish life in Russia and all. And originally Zero Mostel, who had played uh, Tivia on um, Broadway, was like the natural choice to play him in the movie. And he really wanted to play him. But for some reason, you know, Jewison, I probably because he was afraid Zero Marcel would um, overwhelm the movie or overwhelm him, went with Topol to play, um, you know, that role. So, you know, like a year or two later, you know, Jewison is set to direct Jesus Christ Superstar. And he wants Zero Marcel's son, Josh Marcel. Play Herod. Play Herod. So I, I heard, saw an interview with Josh Marcel. And he's like, I'm, and he's like, I had to go to my father and tell him I was going to be in this Norman Jewison film. <laughs> and I was really afraid. So finally I told him, it's like, you know, dad, I'm going to be Norman Jewison is um, doing Jesus Christ superstar. And he wants me in it. And he said, his father just turned to him and go, tell him to get Topol's son. <laughs> <laughs> but he was, that was a great star, little star turn for Josh Marcel in that film too. A lot of people remember that as like the best number. I don't think I've ever seen this film. I haven't. Seen oh, it. you should. It is the grooviest. It is. The <laughs> grooviest. I keep saying it. Um, I, mean, I know. I know the songs. Guns. Debbie, have you seen it? Oh yeah. I, You're not a fan of it. No, I, I don't like the film. Um, I just don't like the overhumanity of Jesus. Oh, yeah. The play, the, and that's really upsetting to me. It's uh, I found it very um, upsetting. Because I know Jesus personally, and he was a man, of course, but he was he was also God. So he there was no. But I wasn't he a man for like thirty three years? Seemed like thirty. No, he was from the big dawn of time. I mean, beginning of time. Before he was time. a man for thirty three years. He walked the earth for 33 years, right? Yeah, as a man for 33 years. Yeah, incarnate, but yeah, but um, he was God. You know what I mean? He was God. Yeah, but I mean, he, he walked as a man for 33 years. True. He did have human emotions, too. You know, yeah. there were times he got mad. At, yeah, he got angry. angry. Obviously, it's at the okay money to be angry. And every one of us, it's okay to be angry. Well, it's just to be angry when you're God. But when we're angry, we have to judge our own emotions. But I mean, like, even when when the apostles kept falling asleep in the garden, you know, he was angry at them. He was, uh, yeah, he was angry, you know, because he was man as well. Uh, mostly that that he was thing. very I don't angry get at the money changers. Um, yeah, that's right. In the marketplace, he flipped the tables over. Yeah, yeah. And that's have true. you ever seen it, Chris? Uh, have you, seen uh, you know, it? it's funny. Uh, I've 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 heard the album, but I've never actually seen the. Sh- I've never seen. Yeah, it. it's the same with me. I've heard the music. You know, so I know the music it. and everything, and and I I understand what you mean, Sean, in the sense that sometimes, and and I remember as as being you know pretty involved in my youth group when I was when I was younger in my church and whatnot. Um, there was always a big push for kind of you know, like you said, like a, a youth movement about it. You know, just younger things, things that would get anyone interested in. Um, you know, Jesus and Christianity as a whole, you know, um, there were a lot of things that we did that were, you know, whether it was going to an Amy Grant concert back before she went secular, which is funny because even her secular music was still pretty, uh, pretty, um, tame, you know, she just wasn't actually using the word Jesus anymore. Um, but that being said, uh, but yeah, no, I remember this. I, I heard the, the soundtrack and whatnot, but I've never actually seen the film. I might I was have to too young when it came out. I was in Catholic school when this came out. 
Well, I, I can't remember for sure if the nuns so. took us to see this, but they definitely took us to the arcade theater to see Godspell, which is the tamer version. Day by day. Yeah. That's Godspell or is that? Yeah, that's Godspell. Yeah, that's Godspell. And I'll tell you one thing, which you'll find really moving if you watch Godspell again, one scene only, if not, you know, even if you don't like anything else. There's a scene where the dance number ends on the top of the World Trade Centers, which were still being constructed then. Oh, really? And when you watch that scene now, you know, after 9-11, it's very, it's, it's very moving. Wow. You know, I think the song so was... So uh, does Jesus Christ Superstar follow the scripture pretty well, or is it... Is it... it I tell you what, it follows everything very no, well. Debbie says no. No. Can I, can I finish my thought, though? I, it I follows. It follows. It follows the events very closely. It does not follow the characters' motivations. Mm-hmm. It, basically, everyone's motivations make well sense. Well said. Well said. Sean. Except Jesus, you know, because Jesus is like confused. He doesn't know when. He, but Jesus did have doubts. At one point, he does, he's being overwhelmed by lepers and people. And it's true also that Jesus got you know retreated from the crowds on occasion. Mm-hmm. And Jesus had, you know, what well, you know, you know, said, "Pass this cup from me," or as they call it, "cup of poison" in this movie. But Jesus always knew what he was doing. In this, he's confused, you know. So I think and God that's, is never God is never confused about what he's doing, and he's always he's always telling you straight up what's going to happen. He'll, he'll, you know, always tell the truth. That that's the point of your film that you picked. Um, I'm sure, I think that's quote, what Quo Vadis means. Quo Vadis, what is truth? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and I love that film. I, I, the one thing I did watch is that film, Chris. Great. We were even well, willing to pay three ninety nine. Well, let's let's since you since you Robert segue, Taylor is a let's, Roman. Let's, I love let's it. jump to Chris's film, Debbie. And yeah, by the way, yours. just uh, ring the bell. I played Tevya in Fiddle on the Roof in fifth grade. Oh, <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> And I, I, voice. If I and were I, a rich and, man, and I, yeah. And I, video, I videotaped it. No, you didn't. You did <laughs> not I? videotape that one. Didn't I? No, you started. Yeah. That was eighth grade. You started videotaping. Okay. That was oh. fifth grade. Oh. Sorry. Let's jump and to Chris's film, Debbie, and then we'll come back and do yours. No. Okay. No. Yes, Chris, since, do yours. Since you since sure. you uh, cue it up, cue well, it up. So. Chris, what's your yeah. film? So uh, the movie I, I chose was Quo Vadis in 19, from 1951. So it actually predates most of the Ten Commandments, Ben-Hur, all of these massive epics. Um, and the thing I noticed first was that it was not in, it was in Technicolor, but it was not in CinemaScope or anything right. of scope. It was a square. It, was, it wasn't anything school. scope. But it, was, it, was, it was not letterboxed. Um, oh. um which was interesting, you know, and that's how most movies were back then. You know, you watch older films, especially they're not in widescreen. And once again, this was something that was done primarily to differentiate the films from TV. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously this is really, in some ways, it's really almost the prototypical or the, you know, the prototype for all these other epics. You know, it's got the cast of thousands. It's, hey, we actually shot some of these scenes on the Appian Way outside of Rome itself. Um, you know, big epic scenes where Nero burns Rome um, and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, but it also suffers from a lot of those faults. It's got extremely wooden acting, in my opinion. Well, okay, um, back up a step. Back up a step. We know the plots of all the films we did. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, what's the here's plot essentially, of this? Here's the 
I'll give you the, the basic plot is this is years after Jesus is gone, after he's been crucified. Peter and Paul are building the church, but it's not really about them. It's basically about a guy. Um, I forget. He's got one of those classic. He's a Roman centurion coming back from Gaul or something. Uh, Marcus, somebody or another, you know. Um, but anyway, the point is, is that he comes back and he falls in love with a hostage slave girl, essentially. Uh, a young girl who was taken as a hostage. She was the princess of some northern tribe or whatever that the Romans defeated. And he he becomes infatuated with her. He falls in love with her. Now, she is a Christian. And so a lot of the movie deals with the time of Christianity under the under the rule of Nero, right, where they really did have to hide, uh, you know, the whole thing about the fish, you know, the drawing of the fish uh, was a secret sign. So you could kind of communicate and you would know that one another were Christians because back then, not only were they persecuted, sometimes they were straight up murdered um, just for, you know, for fun. Let's throw them to the lions. That'll be fun. And um, so this is a time, you know, the the book, I actually started reading the book like 20 years ago, but never finished it. Uh, can't find my copy. So I'm not sure how the book compares to the film, but it's basically about this Roman general who slowly goes from being like a true Roman, you know, uh, and, and be, you know, believes in various gods and all this kind of stuff and is changed uh, and becomes a Christian. Um, Played by matinee idol, Robert Taylor. There we go. Yes. Um, Deborah Kerr is in the film. She's probably the most yeah. famous person. She's very person nice. Longest, longest uh, career. She plays the Lydia or Lychia, I think. Um, anyway, so that's what it's essentially about. Um, it gets a lot of it. And it's, it's a not, it was based on a novel. And it's not based on any real events um, or anything like that. Well, I mean, it is Rome based Rome. on real events. Well, I mean, there are real events happen. The Rome burns. But right. whether or not Nero actually started Rome burning is a different animal. And Nero doesn't die the way he dies in this film in real life. Play a fiddle? Is that Nero playing fiddle? Yeah, Nero is a son who supposedly fiddled while, while Rome burned. Played brilliantly by Peter Ustinov. Oh, oh, what a performance. Yeah. Yeah, How old was he? He was like in his early 20s, wasn't he? He was like uh, almost 30. I think I read somewhere where they were basically saying during casting or whatever, he was almost 30. And they were like, well, Nero's 30. And they're like, well, we're not sure if you're old enough. And if and he wrote back to them, basically like, well, if you wait much longer, I won't be young enough <laughs> to play the role anymore. So Yusinov is great, but it's, yeah. it is a great film in the sense that it has a lot of that truly thousands of people in, in different scenes and different shots. Yeah. Um, obviously the Technicolor just pops right off the screen. It, it does drag a bit though. Um, at two hours and 51 minutes long, Holy cow. it's, um, it's, it's not obviously not as long as the Ten Commandments, not even by a long shot. But it's Ten pretty close. A whole other movie. Epic. But oh, it's um, that is epic. It it really it does it does drag a bit. It's one of those films that uh, it could have been shorter. And what is the the point? Is what he he converts to Christianity? Christianity, yeah, well, yeah. He converts to Christianity yeah. And, against, against Rome, against right. Rome. And the yeah. idea is, they. I remember reading in on the book jacket. It said something about you know the early days the terror and the glory of early Christianity. And it does, one of the things it does put forth, even though everybody's clean and everybody has wears clean clothes and stuff. Do they go to the bathroom in this one? <laughs> no, man. No, you have no idea, huh? Jesus. <laughs> but the thing is, is that it really <laughs> does kind of get at that early, 
that early period of what what it really must have been like to be, or at least, you know, from a glossy Hollywood version, mm-hmm. what it would have been like to be a Christian, you know, to truly, I mean, there's a scene at the end where they gather up all these Christians, <laughs> a couple hundred of them, and literally just let a bunch of lions tear them to pieces, you know, and the crowd goes wild. They love it. Um, and it kind of, it kind of throws into relief a little bit about, and I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to open up a can of worms here, everybody. It kind of throws it kind of opens up a little bit of that relief. Where you go, compare that to, you know, the war on Christmas, you know, and things yeah, like exactly. Um, it kind of shows you like, you know what? At one point before Christianity was as established as it was and in some places like in our country was the standard, um, you know, it was a dangerous thing. It was a dangerous, rebellious thing to be a yeah. Christian. and to have this idea that that peace was the way, not force, not Roman law, but the idea of turning the other cheek and all of that stuff, how radical an idea that was. Um, and it's that's just, still, that's still to the day a radical idea. Right. Yeah, it really is. And in a lot of ways it is, but it's an interesting picture. Um, like I said, I think it's a little too long. Um, it's kind of got some wooden acting in it, um, but there so are. You're couple, recommending the film. You're recommending the film. I, I'm going to give it, I have, let me put it this way. If you if you like other Bible epics, I don't think you can pass this one up. Yeah, I would say I would say if, if you're going to recommend a Bible epic, then I would definitely recommend that. Yeah. Right. As yeah. opposed yeah. to Noah. Yeah. And part right? of it is, too, is that like when you think of no, I'm just saying when you think of biblical epics, mm-hmm. that's the kind of movie you think of. And I really love the love story. I thought it was. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Well, Robert Taylor was a very interesting choice for that movie. I mean, yeah, he's not someone you would think would would do well in a movie like that. But he was good. He was really good. In it. Yeah. I liked him. It was um, well. I'm sorry. Go on, Sean. I, as I say, this has a lot of the problems of the, those biblical ethics. Is like when you have Peter or Paul on, they're very dry. <laughs> they're kind of speaking in these and thous, especially Peter. But any, you know, but the non-Christian stuff, particularly Nero. I mean, every scene, like the energy level, like gets ramped up to 11 every time near, sure. you know, um, Peter Usnoff is on screen. But you're right. And in, in that time frame, whenever they showed the religious people, they were always pretty stoic, right? Yeah. And it's yeah. everyone else around them that isn't. So, but that's changed a lot. And for the better, I think, too. But for them, it was the reverence for the religion, I think, as well. well you got to watch Noah, because Noah was a, he, he didn't do anything. It sounds he was like very it, stoic. And he didn't talk to God. He talked to the creator. The creator and pe- like people were Dr. partying all around him. He just stood there like yeah. nothing, like a like a. I like soldier. that. Good choice, Chris. I yeah. like I like this movie. I mean, yeah, I'm, not, yeah. I'm never going to watch it, but I'm glad you brought it. Good. I mean, it sounds, uh, I'm never going to watch Noah. So I might watch bits, bits, bits and pieces, uh, but I don't. Know. I, seems, and listen, seems, if you if you want to watch it for just a great performance, Peter, Peter, I think he was nominated for an Oscar. If I if I remember, he was he was hilarious. He was great. He was nuts, but he played it so well. And all those scenes, what's the guy I didn't, I wasn't really familiar with him from anything else who played the general's uncle who was Nero's trying to control Nero, Leo Gannon or something. Yes. He was, he was great. Hilarious. Too. He was, he was really great. And um, his scenes with Nero are just hilarious. And Nero's got like, you know, you look at like Peter in the film and you think fake beard, but Nero, you know, you yeah. saw got like a great yeah. beard, exactly looking like yeah. the kind. That the Romans had, right. kind of patchy in places and everything. Yeah, not as good as Chris's beard. Well, thank you. No, I mean Chris's beard is solid. Yeah, It'll be a long time to grow it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that'd be you one week. Didn't for get me. to live that long. <laughs> okay. 
Sorry, Ralph All right. a little upset. He's like, my my beard's fuller than Chris's. Beard. Look at this. I look like Moses over here. <laughs> the beard. You look like, yeah, you have a Don't even, the hair. Don't even not the say hair. his name. <laughs> the beard. All right. All right. Do we have another person? That's me. Yes. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. I chose Ben-Hur with um, Charlton Heston. Oh, another Charlie movie. movie. All right. And, and let me tell you, this movie, I love it. It's yeah. so full of. Another long one. Uh, yeah, a very long movie about a guy. And um, he was uh, kind of rich and lived in Rome. No, Jerusalem. Or Jerusalem. That's right. Jerusalem. Sorry. And uh, it's about uh, friendship between the, um, uh, what's his name? Marsala. Marsala. Stephen Boyd. And they um, they were really good friends. And then uh, one rose to power in the Roman uh, army. Uh, the the not the army the um yeah the army the legions poli- political he was, he a, was political. a soldier but he he got political he yeah. he became the leader of that region and then um their friendship came at odds when um he wanted judah ben hur to back him up with the city because during those times of christ there was a lot of things going on same like today different um Groups of people, different peoples, all converged into like a big uh, conglomerate of uh, unrest, political, uh, racial, and I don't even want to say race, peoples, different peoples, tribes coming together. So anyway, the story goes um, that Judah Ben-Hur gets falsely blamed for trying to uh, attack the um, the ideology of the Roman the governor, yeah. yeah, the governor. So um, he gets sent to uh, a ship to row on a ship, and becomes uh, a slave. Becomes a slave, and his uh, mother and his sister get um, thrown into a prison down in the hold of the really terrible prison. That's one scene that really freaked me out when I was a child. I couldn't imagine being in a dark, dank place for four years, five years. They were in there. And just, ugh, their food was gone every day. That's how the guard, the centurion was guarding them. And that that's how they knew. But it's just the story of him, you know, coming to a place in his life where he gets rescued by God himself, you know. And he knows it's God himself because why would why would he get water and when he vitally needed it? Because he would probably you know, die. You can't live that long without water. And, well, again, do you remember, do you remember when he looked up at, at Jesus oh, and you never see Jesus, you see Charlton Heston's reaction to looking at his face. Yes. yes that was so beautiful. Yeah. Like he gave him water. And then when Jesus, uh, when the, the guard, he, he says, don't give him water. And he looked at Jesus and he, he his face. And he backed off. I mean, yeah. You know, his face told all of, you know, when we're right there, you know, like, oh, you know, when God's talking to you, right? You know, when God's talking to you and um, you you might like not like what he's telling you, you know, and you and just thank you. You think and you go, oh, yeah, you know, I, I can't I can't go there. You know what I mean? It's just that guard when he the look in his face that is tells all that. Remind me again, Ben-Hur is at, at the crucifixion. 
Well, How Jesus in her, in her, yeah, he's there at the crucifixion. Well, yeah, as Jesus is taking the cross to the crucifixion. Right, that's when he's, he, he runs across him this, a couple times. But, right, okay. yeah, but this, really? Yeah, when that's the water, it. when he gets the yeah, water. Yeah, but no, I'm talking about the guard that was like way back. Yeah, yeah, when the guard came over to take the water away from him. Yeah, Ben-Hur. Yeah. yeah. So basically, Charlton Heston interacts with Jesus at like two really crucial times. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you remember, as he was being crucified, yeah. Uh, his uh, mother and sister got cured of the leprosy right at that same scene. Yeah. yeah. Which, yeah. You know. But, you know, G- but Ben-Hur, right when Jesus was given the Sermon on the Mount, you know, you, you know, in the in the story, there was thousands of people there, you know, all milled around. And his voice just carried through this, uh, re- you know, this uh, audience. And you see Judah Ben-Hur walking, you know, past what Jesus was saying, he was just walking past it. And that's how, what we see, you know, like all these people coming together and here Ben-Hur, Judah Ben-Hur is walking. He just lost, he realized his mom and sister were lepers and with Hansen's disease. And then, uh, which we know now what what it's called, but um, he's walking and, you know, Jesus is looking at him and you know that you know, God himself is watching each one of us and sees where we are in this big crowd. You know, the, I don't know um, anything more poignant was that where you could see and he sticks out in that movie, you know, when he's walking away from from the sermon. I love it. I love and, there was a, and there was like this chariot race, too. Well, the, the whole thing ends up uh, when he becomes a slave. It's a revenge story. He wants to get back at his right, his ex friend. I remember as a child what I took away from this film. I remember chariot yeah. scene, obviously, the scene where he sees Jesus for the first time on the mount, right? Yeah. And the leper scene when he goes down and sees his, I think his mother. She takes her thing. I forget. There's a scene where mother and sister have leprosy. He's wrapped up too <clears throat> to get down into the where the lepers are. So those are the three main scenes. I remember. Obviously, the, the no. He's trying scene. to hide his identity. He doesn't want to. He doesn't right. want to. I'm not saying he had left, he, he, but but he definitely was covered, right? Because he didn't want his mom and his sister right. to see him, right? Because right. that would so, cause them pain. So this is a film I think about, thought about more than I did like the Ten Commandments. I think this one had a better, a bigger impact on me as a kid than than the Ten Commandments. And I think, and I think it has to do with. You're right. Charlton Heston's naturalistic acting definitely works. I mean, he he you believe that he's this person. Um, uh, and then by the time the chariot race comes on and that was a pretty brutal chariot race. You know, I just remember the spikes coming out of the side, people flopping around off those things. Yeah. Um, and somebody uh, as a kid, that's just amazing. It's amazing to watch that stuff. So um, now when when he gets this understanding that, you know, Jesus has saved him. And his heart is so full of, you know, gratitude at the very end when he's got his family, his mom and his sister and his wife to be. It's just so it's so beautiful and wonderful. A restoration, you know, a a whole family was ruined and um, a loving family. And then it's all brought to. You is know, that it, when Ben Hur and the family start singing "Jesus Christ Superstar"? At that, I forget. Yes. Is that the yeah. yeah, that's the Jeez, one. Right? That's that's right. I don't know how to. to right. Oh. No, I mean, I, I, out of the, out of the three, other than Noah, right? We will throw Noah out, I guess. Out of these three biblical ep- epics, 
well, four, including Sean's. Ben Hur is the one that I, uh, yeah, I would hard. give. It. I would say thumb Yippie Kaye on that one. That that's the one that I'd like to see in Blu-ray. I'd like to see that one. I told you, um, I saw that one at the move. I saw that at the Wang Center in Boston. Right, and uh, Charlton Heston was there, and he introduced the movie, and it was it was beautiful. In fact, yeah. I think at that point, I can't have had I seen the whole thing before. I can't. Is that remember. another long one? How long is that one? It's long. Yeah, it's long. I guess epic. Um, but there's so many. I mean, you you oh, said you only remember please. three scenes. There were scenes on the boats when he didn't have a name but a number. I understand, but I'm saying the, the three Roman, that he saves the Roman guy, yeah. and that's his redemption. And now he comes back as a yeah, citizen. But there, you love the. I'm just saying what I remember from my childhood are those three scenes. Those are the ones that. Stuck well, the out chariot scene. Uh, the the stunt man. Uh, what's his name? Gnut something. His uh, son was uh, Charlton Heston's double, and the scene in the movie where he flips over the chariot. That was an accident that uh, that wasn't supposed to happen. And he was able to write himself back up and they left it in the film. And the father, who was the stunt coordinator, you know, he thought he was going to get crushed. Well, somebody did did die. Somebody did die. Yeah. Wasn't the stunt man that filled in for Heston, though. You mean other than Jesus? I mean, they had a uh, Charles Heston, about they, went, they went through. <laughs> uh, Chris, weeks. Chris, don't give me that dirty look. I they went that. through weeks of chariot uh, driving because if you look at the film, Charlton uh, Heston does a lot of driving in that, and uh, Stephen Boyd too. That scene, that one uh, scene, is an incredible uh, filmmaking thing. That scene is amazing the way that is shot. Yeah, yeah it's sort of like people are just waiting for that scene. Yeah, and um, I want to say a couple things. I think the. Um, this was the second version they had made of them. Yeah. I think this was built on the same sets in Italy, the um, Coliseum where they had the chariot race. And Chris, I don't know if I went, I meant to look this up, but it looks like the same Coliseum that was used in Quo Vitis when um, the Christians be. are being executed. Because you can see it's a track. I think yeah. it's exactly, I think it really? is the same set. Because yeah, they built that it's... set in 1925. Yeah. So I guess they kept it and used it. Um, the 1925 version had Roman, uh, Roman Navarro as um, Ben-Hur and Baltimore and Francis X. Bushman, who was kind of a distant cousin of mine, yeah, as um, as um, Masala. Um, and uh, that was a monster hit. And mm-hmm. this is a time when TV was really hurting the movies. So they they turned to God. They turned to this monster hit. You know, Ben-Hur was vastly over budget the first time, but it ended up built. You know, it was the movie that really built you know, and solidified MGM. And it won all kinds of Oscars, right? But no, and yeah. yeah, no, but I mean, yeah, the 1920. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that, yeah. And then this one, I think, was nominated until Titanic. May have been the most Oscar nominations for a film. It had the well, most Oscar wins up until. It did? Mm-hmm. Well, this is just a side note, but we, we've been to the Coliseum. And, you know, what strikes me is when we were there and Quo Vitus, the um, the lions, when they came out in the Mm -hmm. Coliseum, you could actually I mean, you're standing there and it's just kind of breezy. Remember that day It's kind of breezy. And you imagine all those lions coming out and getting those Christians. Oh, yeah, it's it's us. Sean, I I think you're feeling you may be right about the the Coliseum sets because. You can tell when you're watching Quo Vadis that it's it's obviously the Circus Maximus. It's not the Colosseum. It's the chariot mm-hmm. race because you can yeah. even see the part of the curve in it yeah. as opposed to the Colosseum, which was 
a giant oh. oval, um, yeah. which, you know, which is where they, they mostly did most of the, um, you know, executions for fun. Uh, well, that's where they had the gladiators and then the lions that's they would care. They would have them down in the um, the, the animal pit below yeah. underneath where the gladiators were. The gladiators would be on the next level, but the animals were way down below. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, too, now because when you like you said, you go to the Coliseum now, there's no there's no floor. You can see the substrata and you can see where all of these different things. So they literally could have. You know, they could literally drop like a, a thing and all of a sudden a wild animal comes jumping out of the middle of the Coliseum floor. Um, you know, it was pretty crazy um, how they. How they I do want to say something about them, um, Covitis, because it's something that Ralph keeps bringing up. The Romans, they were very clean in that movie, yeah. but the Romans bathing was a big ritual for them. Yeah. yeah. Like even where, if you're a working man to the emperor, everybody bathed sometimes multiple times a day. Yeah. You conducted business in the baths. They had these massive heated baths, you know, even in the winter. You know, they, they, you know, if you wanted to be loved by the people, you built them a new bath. And in the Coliseum, as you go around, there's place, there's urinals on the outside. Oh, good. So they went to the bathroom. Thank yeah, you. they did. That's a big did deal. Anybody, for uh, let's get back on track here. Did anybody see the Ben Hur remake in 2016? Uh, no. No, I saw it. It was, wasn't the Ben Hur remake recently. Like saying it's like seeing West Side Story, the remake of West Side Story. Uh, why not it just Star? for it just for not, compare and contrast? I mean, I don't remember okay. it, but it was okay. a lot of CGI. In yeah, it. exactly. They all that's it's all CGI now. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, look, that was uh, practical. This day. was an epic uh, show we did. <laughs> it was. <laughs> this one went on quite a bit. Oh my gosh! Look what time yeah. it is. Well, listen, we is. had a riveting yes. conversations. Once we listen, got past, when you're the talking first about one. God and Jesus, we just keep talking. That's what we got. Well, do. it's Easter coming up. You know, resurrection. When? April. Okay. Boom! It's yep. the time. What? All April. Right. He went to Catholic school. Okay, I'm just telling you. The guy <laughs> went to Catholic school, St. Mary's. But I, I had a I had a hippie teacher in fifth grade. Changed my life, Mr. Trotter. Uh, no, fifth grade, Mr. O'Leary. What? Wow! What? O'Leary. 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 He's the one that taught me. He's the one that said to me, "Look, these nuns. I know they want you to pray to God and all that. If you don't want to pray, go in your car, go in your house, talk to God your own way. Do it your own way. You'll be fine. Don't worry about it." So did you? I don't think so. Yeah, I can remember having work. Yeah, I can remember. Listen, I can remember sitting in my bed, horrible nightmares about because what the nuns, what every, what I learned, and I'm not saying anybody taught me this, but this is what I took away. If God forgets you, you die. So as a five, six-year-old kid, I'm sitting in bed going, oh, my, oh, geez, God, 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 don't forget who I am. Don't forget who I am. Don't forget who I am. Horrible, horrible nightmares because the nuns would say, God has to remember who you are, so you got to pray to him every day. If he forgets you, you're going to die. Oh, that's and such a lie. That's I've never a- heard okay. that. I went okay. to the same school and I never heard that. That you're making We've, that up. John, no, I'm you're not making, making that up. up. No nun make- ever said to you, if he forgets you, you'll die. Maybe they did. Maybe no, they did. I don't believe John, that for a John, second, Debbie. You know what? It's not you know fair what, for you to do that, number one. Because I'm telling you, I'm telling you a memory that I have. Who cares? We had lots of different things happen to us in the same house. You know that. Ralph, I gotta tell you one thing. God cannot forget his one beautiful son in you. I understand. Especially I just you. worry. I just worry that he sees everything. He does. Well, and he still loves you, Ralph. Even with all the 
even with there all the certain crap things I don't want him to see. Still loves you. I still no. I still I still listen as much as an atheist as I am. The Catholicism is deep, deep in there because I always think someone's watching. I can't stand it. It's awful. So enough. But you got a lot of cameras in you. I don't. I don't want to talk about. So it. somebody is always watching. Um, all right, good. Ep- that was a good epic show yeah. about epics. Not gonna lie. All right, so we're off the Ron Robbins for a little while. Yes, we're going. We're going back to the singlets. Chris, you gonna be here next week? Uh, yeah, I don't see why not. Nice. Okay. All right, good. That works. Uh, every out once well. in a while, Drew, our old Drew Podmaster, wants to show up, so we'll have to squeeze him in at some point. That's great. It's always good. Podmaster, mother podcaster, oh. mother podcaster. I probably said it wrong. Yeah. So here we right. go. But we'll spin for us. Uh, there's our lovely faces. Let's see who gets the. Oh, hey. So, Debbie, you remember the greatest this is story you... ever told. You bring whatever you want. That's the beauty. So think about it for a day or two. Let us know. Unless you already know. I don't know. Oh, Godspell. No. Day by day. Noah? Oh, I think you should watch Noah. Noah. Bring that with you. We'll dissect Noah day. from your point of view. Okay. Let us know what it's going to be. John, oh. anything to say to our subscribers? I just pray that they'll subscribe. They'll hit the notification button and they'll like it. Okay. Our subscriptions are going up. We really appreciate that. Keep watching. Uh, we, we really do appreciate you guys. God willing. God also, willing. We I get want to more. thank everybody on Twitter. We get a lot more people retweeting yeah. us and liking right. our tweets. So I want to thank everybody on Twitter who's looking in. Thank you. I don't think I have the Twitter machine on my phone. I got to look at Twitter that. machine. Figure out what that is. So, all right, everybody have a good week. Debbie, have a blessed what, week. As, as you have a blessed, yes, have a, okay, have yes, a blessed thank week. You. I hope God remembers who we all are. Yeah, because if not, you'll die. <laughs> Done. Don't forget. Okay. okay. All right, everybody, have a good week. Have a good okay. week. Okay.